sermon podcasts come to you from Christ Church Cathedral in the Anglican Diocese of Fredericton in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. This is a version of a sermon delivered by the Dean of Fredericton, Jeffrey Hall, on the first Sunday after Epiphany, the Baptism of the Lord, January 7th, 2024, entitled, Into What Were You Baptized? Listen to podcasts by visiting the Watch and Listen tab on our website at ChristChurchCathedral.com. Search Christchurch Cathedral Fredericton podcasts on the web. Or find us listed on TuneIn Radio, Apple, Google, Podchaser, or Spotify podcasts. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. The Apostle Paul said, Into what then were you baptized? In this new year, we will be primarily reading from the Gospel of Mark on Sundays when we're following the Revised Common Lectionary. Mark, as you know, is the shortest of the four Gospels, and there's plenty of evidence that it was the first Gospel written. Matthew and Luke clearly use portions of Mark in their own accounts, adding other details, and at times reorganizing the material. In the first chapter, Mark wastes no time launching into the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You're probably familiar with the storytelling technique often used by filmmakers these days where after the opening credits have rolled by, the watcher is greeted with a scene depicting the very beginning of the tale that is about to be told. It may begin with a baby who will grow up to be the main character later on, or we might get some specific detail on a situation that doesn't make sense until we know the whole story, or we may experience half a lifetime of history in uh, just a matter of minutes where the central character is concerned and it zooms us through time to the present day when the real story begins. And Mark is a little bit like that. There's no mention of the birth of Jesus. There are no angels, no silent night holy night, no teenage trip to the temple. Mark seems bent on summarizing the whole of salvation history in just a few verses, and we suddenly find ourselves standing on the bank of the river Jordan in verse 9. Jesus is baptized by John. We don't read it today, but the couple of verses 
that follow today's passage cause another time warp of sorts when Mark says, and the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Immediately. And as we read through Mark this year, we'll become somewhat familiar with that one of Mark's favorite words. Immediately. There's an urgency in the way Mark shares this good news. Immediately is the Greek word euthus. And Mark uses it 41 times in this, the shortest of the Gospels. Immediately, Jesus is driven out into the wilderness. Now, why might that be important? I think it's because it gives us a bit of context into which Jesus was baptized. While it's true the baptism of Jesus was unlike any other, not being the baptism of repentance for which people lined up for their moment with John, it wasn't Christian baptism because Christ had not yet been raised. The baptism of the Lord initiated him into a life of sacrifice and suffering. Mark's immediately language should tip us off to the fact that Jesus the Christ had come to engage with the evil of the world. Because when we think about it, all the encounters Mark will tell us about, each one is an instance of confronting the evil that exists in the created order. From hunger and disease to demons and false assumptions. From the danger of a violent storm on Galilee's sea to the hell of death on a cross. I guess we can all admit that Scripture should make what baptism is all about more clear for us. But not all baptisms are alike. In the passage from Acts today, Paul's questions should remind us, into what then, Paul asks, were you baptized? And there were multiple possible answers then, as well as now. John's baptism of repentance, one of several similar Jewish purification rites, baptism in the name of Jesus, there's baptism in the name of the Trinity. It might be a whole lot less confusing if that word meant only one thing. 
Because, you know, then there's also our own personal definition. And despite the attempts of the church over the last several decades to clarify that definition, considerable confusion, unfortunately, remains. When I had someone inquire of me not too long ago about why the cathedral doesn't seem to do many baptisms anymore, perhaps the best possible answer is confusion. Of course, it was the intention of the person asking the question that blame for a departure from past practice be directed at me. In fact, it's far more complicated than that. Paul's question in Acts actually puts the proper point on it, I think. Into what then were you baptized? And that's a question we need to ask all through our lives. Into what then were you baptized? Or in the case of future baptism, into what then do you intend to be baptized? Because in my experience, the answer to that question is different for almost everybody you talk to. And quite often it reflects deep confusion. So maybe it's worthwhile to think about what baptism is not. Baptism is not a magic dust that we sprinkle upon request. It's not an incantation, special words that transform a person into a creature they don't want to be. Rather, it signifies what a person cannot be without the help of God. Baptism signifies what a person cannot be without the help of God. So for every denomination of Christianity, the question has always been, what's the prerequisite for baptism? So that's a good question. What is the prerequisite for baptism? I would suggest it has something to do with commitment. Our part of the covenant of baptism is to walk in the way of God. Christian baptism is baptism into Christ, into the body, into walking in the way of Christ. Baptism is the sign of a commitment to discipleship, 
either by the person being baptized or in a special circumstance by those to whom their care has been entrusted. Why are there far fewer baptisms in 2024 than there were in 1964? I'm thinking you might know the answer. The appeal made to Christian communities, not only of our own denomination, but all mainline churches several decades ago, was to take somewhat drastic steps to clarify baptism confusion. And how were we being asked to do that? Well, Christian churches worldwide participated in the World Council of Churches process ending in a 1982 report called Baptism, Eucharist, and Ministry. It appealed to responsibility of all churches to teach the fundamentals of baptism before it happens. And that's hard. Because most people these days who ask for baptism don't really want to hear anything about it. They would prefer to follow their own preconceived and confused notions and whatever baptism happens to mean to them. So baptism, Eucharist, and ministry actually suggested several things that we could do to help with this confusion around baptism. Not least of all, that we, from time to time and on a consistent basis, renew our own vows of baptism. And there are specific times in the year when that seems like a natural thing for us to do. There was also fairly direct suggestion that preparation for baptism be first and foremost at the time of baptism. And so you might ask yourself, well, how has that worked out? And the answer is some churches haven't budged. They continue to operate just like the church of the 1950s or 60s, except that it's not 1960 anymore. So when approached by baptism shoppers who, after having previously approached a church that offers preparation for baptism, use the inability or disinterest in stepping into the fray of baptism education to their advantage. They show up on the day of the baptism with little or no idea about what it is they have requested. And without preparation, a quiet baptism usually follows on a weekday or a Sunday afternoon. Into what, then, 
were you baptized? So today, at the very least, we remember our own baptism. We should also be praying for a flood of requests for baptism accompanied by a desire to know Jesus and to be part of the church into which they are baptized. Since that is, after all, what it's all about. And may God give us the will and the strength to teach those ways by word and example to the glory of his name. Christ Church Cathedral is located at the corner of Church and Brunswick Streets in Fredericton, New Brunswick. We're always pleased to welcome visitors and guests. For information on programs and worship times, visit ChristChurchCathedral.com, send us a message by email at office at ChristChurchCathedral.com, or contact the church office by phone Monday to Friday, 9 to 12 noon at 506-450-8500. We'd be pleased to have you visit.